Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number four of Genesis chapter five. And we're continuing to look at verse three. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. Now, we've begun uh, over the last few studies to take a look at that particular age of a hundred and thirty. And we've seen it three times so far. Adam was 130 when Seth was born, or uh, when he was appointed seed in place of Abel. And then Terah was age 130 when Abram was born. And then the third place was in Genesis 47 when Jacob appeared before Pharaoh. And I'll read it again in Genesis 47, beginning in verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and and so forth. So Pharaoh asks one question, and, and you know, it is a question that's pretty typical. Uh, people ask other people, and, and especially uh, Jacob would have been an old man, and and he comes before Pharaoh, and so Pharaoh just uh, politely, um, again, he he was very favorable towards Joseph, and this was the father of Joseph. How old are you? And then Jacob responds, I'm 130 years old. But yes, it, it was probably historically very unremarkable. It's something people ask and people answer all the time, and we attach little to no significance to it in the world. We we ask all the time, "How old are you?" Well, I'm I'm such and such an age, and Pharaoh more than likely forgot all about it. Jacob himself could have forgotten all about it, but God remembered it. God recorded it. God had Moses. Write it down, the very question and answer, because God was aware of his timetable for history, the biblical calendar of history. And the very first age that God gave us in the biblical calendar of history, if you go from creation, your first milestone is Adam at age 130. Because God declares the end from the beginning. And in this account in Genesis 47, it's in the midst of a great affliction. A dearth has come upon the land, the world of that time. And God identifies that great affliction as great tribulation in Acts 7 verse 11. Just as... And coincidence in one case? Well, why in the account of Genesis 4 
into Genesis 5 where Adam's age of 130 is given, does God identify the separation that he provokes and brings about between Cain and Abel, uh, as it says in Genesis 4 verse 3, in the end of days. The end of days and then the first age we're given is Adam's age of 130. Two completely different periods of history. The first 130 years from creation and now well on. Uh, uh, Jacob was born in the year 2007 BC and when he's 130 standing before Pharaoh, it's the year 1877 BC. 1877 is a long way from creation, from the days of Adam, thousands of years before. And yet, they're both teaching the same spiritual truth. That when the world arrives at its 13,000th year mark, then will come a famine. Then will come great tribulation. And then Cain rises up against Abel, his brother. It's the end of days. And then God will have another seed instead of Abel. Seth, there there will be more children after thou hast lost the first. More are the children of the desolate, the children of the great tribulation, then the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. It is God's program, his plan, to save more in the little season of great tribulation than he had previously throughout all history. And so, very significantly, Jacob responds, I am 130 years old, and as mentioned in uh, the last study at the close, I want to repeat it, because I, I said it, kind of fast, that when Jacob was 130, Joseph was age 39, and just like 130 is 10 times 13, the completeness, number 10, pointing to 13 the end, 39 is 3 times 13. The purpose, number 3, pointing to the end, number 13. And that reveals the age of Jacob when Joseph was born. Because you take the number 130, you minus Joseph's age of 39, and you get 91. 91 plus 39 equals 130. So Jacob was 91 when the 11th son, Joseph, was born. Benjamin would have been the last son, the 12th son. The 11th son is born when Jacob is 91, and 91 is 7 times 13. So again, God has emphasis then upon the 11th son, Joseph, who will live to be 110, 10 times 11, and yet at the same time, he has emphasis on 13 because of Jacob's age, 91. Perfection, number 7, comes at 13, the end of the world. And And that reminds us of Joseph's dreams. Eleven brethren fall down at first, followed by eleven brethren and mother and father, sun and moon. Thirteen fall down at second. So the first coming of Christ after 11,000 years, the second coming of Christ after 13,000 years. 
and Jesus did not uh, fulfill all things upon his birth in 7 BC, but the coming of Christ was involved. It went to 33 AD and, and even to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all was related to that first coming. Likewise, the second coming of the Lord, no, it, the world did not end in 1988 nor in 1994, but again, it's involved. There is an end time program, just like with the first coming of Christ, it elapsed over a period from 13 BC, the 11,000th year, to 33 AD, which was uh, 45 actual and 46 calendar years later, until really all that had to do with the first coming of Christ was settled. And 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history, if we are correct, or, or if it were so, the 2033 would be the second coming as far as the end of the world. That would be 45 actual years, 46 inclusive years, the identical time frame from 13 B.C. to the cross, 1988 to the cross. So there, it, it could be just as involved as was said when Christ was taken up in Acts chapter 1, that as you have seen him go, so shall he come. And we tend to think that statement had to do with the circumstances of his being uh, lifted up before their eyes at that moment. But what if more is involved? What if it had to do with the entire coming of the Lord? As you have seen him go into heaven, so shall he come. So the, the whole process. Well, anyway, we want to look at one more instance in the Bible where we find the age 130. To begin with, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles 24, and we will read of another boy who became king. In Second Chronicles 24, verse 1, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibia of Beersheba. And Joash is the boy uh, who um, was spared or rescued by Jehoiada the priest because a wicked woman named Athaliah rose up and slew all the seed royal. And she would have slain this boy Joash as well, but he was uh, delivered, he was he was kept hidden until a time that Athaliah, the wicked woman, could be overcome. And Athaliah reigned for six years. And and then uh, Jehoiada and, and some of the faithful men of Judah uh, arose and, and put her to death. And then the boy that was hidden, Joash, became king. And it, it says here in verse 2 of Second Chronicles 24, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of Jehovah all the days of Jehoiada the priest. All the days of Jehoiada the priest, Joash 
did that which was right. Now, it, it turns out that um, Joash reigned 40 years, and the Bible implies, I don't think it's, it's uh, stated, but the Bible implies that Jehoiada lived 39 of those years. And, and again, the number 39, as we mentioned before, good King Josiah was 39 upon his death. Uh, Joseph was 39 when, when Jacob entered into Egypt and Jacob was 130. Well, very likely Jehoiada lived 39 of the years of Joash's 40 year reign. But then Jehoiada died. And as it says, Joash did what was right all the days of Jehoiada the priest for the 39 years. Three times 13, the purpose of God for the the end of the world, again in view. And Joash was a good king while Jehoiada was alive. But upon Jehoiada's death, Joash no longer was a good king. Uh, Joash actually ends up being slain and buried, yes, in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings because of his wickedness in his final year. And what did he do? What what did Joash do after Jehoiada died? Well, let's let's read. Let's go to verse 15 of 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 24. And it says, But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. A hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. There's there's our age. A hundred and thirty. Jehoiada the priest lived a, a long life for that time. And and while he lived, when that boy at first, Joash, was king, the king, uh, Joash, looked up to Jehoiada the priest, his deliverer, his rescuer, the, the one who had spared him. And really, it was because of Jehoiada that uh, he became king, was in a position to rule over the kingdom of Judah. And so certainly young Joash would have been thankful and grateful and appreciative and and constantly looked to wise uh, Jehoiada, this priest, who is such a faithful man of God and, and was so um, instrumental in his very life. He would not be alive without this man. And so uh, for decades, he looked to Jehoiada, and Jehoiada helped him. Jehoiada assisted him, gave him insight and advice, and guided him. Jehoiada acted much like the Holy Spirit himself. Um, The Holy Spirit conducts himself within the corporate church. The, the Spirit of Christ was within the midst of the congregations throughout the church age. And while the Holy Spirit was in the midst of the churches, the churches did that which was right, we could say. It, it, at least God did not hold their sins against them. He did not um, uh, judge them or destroy them for their sins 
throughout the many centuries of the church age, and there were sins, there were errors, high places, the church got involved with, yet when God looked at the church, he saw his spirit. He saw the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. He counted the city to be a faithful city, just as we read in Isaiah chapter 1. And and yet the faithful city becomes a harlot because the moment the Holy Spirit departed out of the midst of the churches and congregations, then when God looks upon the corporate body, he no longer sees its protection. He no longer sees its faithfulness, its righteousness, because its faithfulness, its righteousness was a person. It was God himself. And when God viewed the the churches and congregations of the world through the prism of the presence of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he refrained. He held off on any judgment, on any wrath towards them. But the moment, the instant that the Spirit of God departed out of the church, then God saw their wickedness. He saw their high places. He saw all their evil. As it says in uh, that cryptic verse in Jeremiah 5, verse 1, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. You see, if you can find a man in the midst of Jerusalem, God would have not brought judgment upon Jerusalem, as he did historically with the Babylonians. But God departed and became the enemy of Jerusalem and raised up Nebuchadnezzar. Likewise, if you could find a man, if you could find Christ in the midst of the congregations, then God would not have begun judgment at the house of God. He would not have loosed Satan to enter in and overcome the camp of the saints. Satan would not have been able to take his seat as the man of sin in the temple, showing himself he is God, if you could find a man. But when the man leaves, when Jehoiada the priest dies at age 130, then Joash now is left to himself. He he no longer has the help that he once had. He no longer has the guidance of the Spirit of God. Just like God departed from King Saul. Well, when Jehoiada died, it was as though God departed from King Joash. And, and so the death age of Jehoiada matches the end of the church age, and the church age ended in the year 1988, which was the 13,000th year of Earth's history. The church did right all the days the Holy Spirit was in the midst, but when the Holy Spirit departed out on May 21, 1988, it did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so Joash did right all the days of Jehoiada. Well, let me read... Continue to read in Second Chronicles 
24, verse 15, but Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. 130 years old was he when he died, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them, and they left the house of Jehovah God of their fathers and served groves and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. You can you can see the language. Judgment begins at the house of God with that statement. And why? Because now, after Jehoiada's gone, these evil men rise up, and they become the king's counselors. And he doesn't have that protection he had before. And you see, just as with the corporate body, it was full of natural men. And as long as the Holy Spirit was there to keep things in order, to keep the basic guidance, the, the church managed to go in the right way. And God, again, viewed them overall as being righteous and faithful. But once the Holy Spirit leaves, the church loses its ability to see, to understand, to know spiritual truth, and it goes quickly astray. It immediately falls apart. Well, it got so bad with Joash, it says in verse 20, in the Spirit of God, came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of Jehovah, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken Jehovah, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him, and stoned him with stones, at the commandment of the king, in the court, of the house of Jehovah. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, Jehovah, look upon it and require it. Now, here we, we see just, it's terrible that this king who was delivered by Jehoiada. He would not be alive. He would not have enjoyed the life that he did, the, the many years, the, the 39 years, which were all good. And this 40th year in which, um, things have, have quickly gone bad and, and he's being led down the wrong way. And yet, he forgets all the goodness, all the the uh, wonderful things Jehoiada did for him by killing the descendant, Zechariah, of Jehoiada the priest, one of his own flesh. And and, and so uh, we, we can see how he pictures very accurately a corporate church that's gone, astray that that is now blind they they have no understanding of truth any longer and they have no love no regard for what god has done for them just as cain killed his own brother abel joash kills 
the son, the descendant of a man that he should have revered uh, for all that he did for him. Yet he did not. Instead, he arranged this murder of Zacharias. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that in Matthew chapter 23, God mentions two men. Two men in relationship to those that have been killed by the church, by um, those within Israel. And the two men are Abel and Zacharias. Uh, Let me read in Matthew 23. It says in verse 35 that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now here, it says Zacharias is the son of Barachias, but the the description matches what we just read concerning Zacharias, the son of Jehoiada. And since Jehoiada was 130, it's very likely Zacharias was a grandson or even a great-grandson and and here, uh, Barachias is uh, one of those generations in between, perhaps the immediate father or, or so forth. But still, Zacharias was a descendant of Jehoiada. And, and what's interesting about this is God is giving a summation of really the beginning of time to the end of time, able to Zacharias. And Abel, we understand, because he was the first child of God that was slain early on in earth's history. We wonder about Zacharias, but but we understand once we see that he was killed after the death of Jehoiada, who was 130. And that 130 points to the time of the end of the world. So the first Abel to the last, which comes at the time of the end, through that figure of 130 years old. But also, both of these individuals, Abel and Zacharias, are tied to that age of 130 because Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel, and then God appointed another seed, Seth, whom God gave instead of Abel when Adam was 130. Just like Jehoiada, the priest died in 130, then Zacharias was killed. So the age of 130 is in view at the very beginning when Abel is killed. And and, and so, uh, again, God declares the end from the beginning. And both of these men, they, they uh, as it said, the Lord requited, uh, Zacharias indicated, and Abel's blood cries out to God. So all they, they represent, and all in between, the entire body of God's elect that is beseeching the Lord for vengeance for their murder. And God takes vengeance at the end of the world, which occurs according to everything the Bible has to say. It will occur when we get to the point of the 13,000th year of the history of the world. 
And no, not exactly on that year, but not too far afterwards will come the end of the world. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.